Hi y'all, this is Carrie D. Welcome to the Coffee with Carrie Homeschool Podcast. Join me every Thursday for some much needed encouragement, coffee, and conversation. It's my prayer that this podcast will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. Hey, if you're blessed each week by our podcast, make sure you check out my book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. Then share our podcast with some of your homeschooling friends who might need a little encouragement this week. You can also find me at my website, coffeewithcarry.org. So stick around, pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and take a little coffee break with me. Let's get started. It's magic, said Mary. They always called it magic, and indeed it seemed like it is in the months that followed. The wonderful months, the radiant months, the amazing ones. Oh, the things which happened in that garden. If you've never had a garden, you cannot understand. And if you have had a garden, you will know that it would take a whole book to describe all that came to pass there. At first, it seemed that green things would never cease pushing their way through the earth, in the grass, in the beds, even in the crevices of the walls. Then the green things began to show buds, and the buds began to unfurl and show color, every shade of blue, every shade of purple, every tint and hue of crimson. In the happy days, flowers had been tucked away into every inch and hole and corner. Irises and white lilies rose out of the grass and sheaves, and the green alcoves filled themselves with amazing armies of blue and white flowers. The seeds Dickon and Mary had planted grew as if fairies had tended them. Satiny poppies of all tints danced in the breeze by the shore, gayfully defying flowers which have lived in the garden for years. And the roses, oh, the roses! rising out of the grass, tangled around the sundial, wreathing the tree trunks and hanging from their branches, climbing up the walls and spreading over them with long garlands falling in cascades. They came alive day by day, hour by hour. Fair, fresh leaves and buds, tiny at first, but swelling and working magic until they burst and uncurled into cups of scent, delicately spilling themselves over their brims and filling the garden air. Y'all, what a description of a garden that is. This is one of my favorite passages from the book, The Secret Garden. It beautifully paints a picture of how wonderful, mysterious, and beautiful a garden can be. Later in this chapter, Colin, Mary's sickly cousin, realizes just how magical it is to be outdoors, and in particular, in their little secret garden. The garden is like magic, as Colin discovers its healing powers, both for his physical body and for his disposition. This is what nature does for us. This is what a garden can do. And I don't think it's a dink that the first home for Adam and Eve was a garden. The Secret Garden is one of my favorite books for many reasons, but I simply adore the descriptions of nature nestled within the text. Now, if you've been following me for a while, you also know one of my other favorite books is The Last Child in the Woods, Saving Our Children from Nature Deficit Disorder by Richard Louvre. 
Now, the topic of this week's episode focuses on one of my favorite quotes from his book. It goes like this. Time in nature is not leisure time. It is an essential investment in our children's health. And also, by the way, in our own. There are so many benefits to gardening with your children, either as a family project or as part of your homeschooling lessons. I mean, first, it encourages healthy eating, and it creates more adventurous eaters. There's nothing like picking a fresh strawberry from your garden and eating it in the sunshine, or making homemade soup with the veggies that you grew with your own hands. Now, my son loved the fact that for six years straight, the pumpkin he carved each October was a pumpkin that he grew in his own garden. Second, gardening engages all five senses. My daughter loves smelling the fresh herbs and roses in our garden. She would plant herself under the myrtle tree and next to the rosemary bushes when she read outside. She also loved making mud pies and decorating them with fresh pansies. There was something about the wet mud oozing between her fingers and the smell of fresh flowers that soothed her soul. And my son loved listening to the sounds of the yard from the different bird calls, to the squirrels squawking at each other, to the peacocks honking in our front yard. And third, for younger kids, gardening builds their fine motor skills. We always had kid-friendly garden tools in the yard and a patch in the yard that they could dig and explore. Now, another benefit is that gardening also helps develop the virtue and the fruit of the spirit of patience. It takes much patience to not see the fruits of our labor for months at a time. And there are so many biblical lessons that our children can learn from planting and tending a garden. Also, gardening is a great family activity, and it's one of the best ways I know to teach responsibility and to develop a sense of true stewardship. Gardening also helps kids learn planning and organizational skills, as well as improve their mathematical and measuring skills. And if you cook the food that you grow, then it's also teaching them cooking and fractional skills too. And yes, gardening is science. You could spend an entire season or even an entire year just gardening as your only science curriculum. And actually, that's what this episode is all about. Now, you know me, I'm all about keeping things simple. So in this episode, Sow the Seeds of Wonder, Homeschool Gardening, I aim to encourage you, not overwhelm you. I don't want to guilt you into starting a garden with your family. I just want to share some super simple, fun, and inexpensive ways that you can garden on a small or large scale with your family starting even this spring if you want to. Now, if gardening is already a part of your homeschooling or it's one of your hobbies, I hope you will still listen to this week's episode. There might just be a few ideas that you haven't tried yet with your own family in the garden. Now, first, let me share with you some of my favorite books on the benefits of nature and that have ideas for gardening with kids. Now, I've already mentioned Richard Liu's book, Last Child in the Woods, Saving Our Children from Nature Deficit Disorder. If you haven't read this book, mamas, you need to get your hands on it and read it. Now, another one I loved using with the kids was Roots, Shoots, Buckets, and Boots, Gardening Together with Children by Sharon Lovejoy. 
I also love the book We Are the Gardeners by Joanne Gaines. And one of my new favorites is Farm Anatomy, The Curious Parts and Pieces of Country Life by Julia Rothman. Make sure you get these books and put them in your home library. Now, one of my favorite ways to start a garden is to plant themed herbed pots. It's a simple way to start gardening, especially if you don't have a backyard or you have limited space or budget. So get a large outdoor pot, around 12 inches will do. Purchase some nutrient-rich potting soil. Pick out the herbs you want to grow and plant them in the pot. Place the pot outdoors where you can easily reach it and use the herbs in your cooking and dry some of them too. Now, on our front patio, we have three theme pots going right now. My first one is my pizza pie pot. In it, I have everything I need for pizza night or for all of our Italian cooking. In this pot, I have fresh basil, two different kinds, some parsley, some oregano, some thyme, and a small stalk of fennel. I love using fennel seeds whenever I make kale Italian sausage soup. Now, my second theme pot on the patio is my Taco Tuesday pot. In it, I have some fresh cilantro, sage, chives, a different variety of parsley, marjoram, which is oregano's cousin, and a small chili pepper plant. Now, my third theme patio pot is my teapot. I know it's a play on words, but in this pot, I have all of the floral type herbs that I can dry and use to flavor my teas. In this pot, I have several varieties of mint, and it depends on what I can find at the garden nursery, but I try to have some spearmint, which is the most common mint type, peppermint, some catnip, and I even found chocolate mint one year. I also love planting mint because they are a natural repellent for flies, fleas, and spiders in the garden. Now in my little teapot, I also have lavender, some lemon balm, and chamomile. There are some pansies in this themed pot as well. It adds some color, and whenever I host a tea party, I love picking some of my purple and pink pansies to use on the plates. They're beautiful, they're aromatic, and they're edible. So, if you don't have a green thumb, or you don't have a lot of space, or you want to start small, try planting a few theme pots instead of a whole garden. When you do it, learn about the different herbs that you plant. Make sure you pick them and use them in your cooking. And try drying your herbs too for when the winter kills your fresh basil and parsley. Now, if you have a few more large pots on hand, plant a rosemary bush in one of them. They are very hardy. They're an evergreen, so they'll last throughout the year. And they help keep the mosquitoes away. And I use rosemary in just about everything. Then if you have another pot, plant a tomato plant. You can never have enough tomatoes. Find out which variety grows best in your area. Make sure you have something for it to grow on and to cling to. Make sure you keep it well watered as well. Give this chore to one of your kids. In the summer, I pick a few ripe tomatoes and a bunch of fresh basil, and I make a little bruschetta with some olive oil and balsamic vinegar. There's nothing like it. Now, another fun experiment to do with your kids, if you don't have any ground space, get the topsy-turvy upside-down tomato planter. Yeah, you literally hang it upside down like a hanging plant, and the tomato plant grows vertically or upside down. It's fun to watch and save space, too. 
you can get it on Amazon any time of year. And if you like kale or you use a lot of it in your cooking or your smoothies, plant it in another pot. It's a perennial vegetable, so it will come back every year. And it's also very hearty and pretty to look at. So let's talk about some seeds and science experiments in your gardening. I love starting our garden indoors first so that the kids could see the germination process too. For an eco-friendly experiment, save your eggshells in your egg carton, not the styrofoam or plastic container kind. In a half eggshell, add some good soil and a few seeds. Then cover the seeds with more soil, water it, and place it in one of the sections of the egg carton. You should have room for a dozen eggshell seedlings. You can plant the same seeds in each eggshell, or you can plant 12 different seeds and see which one sprouts first. Place the egg carton with the eggshell planters in a sunny spot. Make sure you water them and keep the soil moist. The easiest seeds to start with and you will have the best results with are any kind of bean seeds, pea seeds, pumpkin seeds, and sunflower seeds. Now once they begin to sprout, plant the seeds in your garden, eggshell and all. The eggshells are biodegradable and are a good source of nutrients for the growing plant. Now another fun and simple way to start a garden inside is to save your vegetable scraps. Carrot tops, celery hearts, rotten potatoes, beet tops, onion heads, pineapple stems, and even some varieties of lettuce will work well. Place each veggie scrap into a glass bowl or jar. It's more fun in a glass container so that you can see the roots begin to sprout. Keep part of it submerged in water. Now depending on the veggie or the herb that you're using, you will see regrowth within a week or two. Once they've sprouted and have some root hairs, you can transfer them into your garden. Now in your garden, plant flowers that attract butterflies or hummingbirds. Your children will have a new sense of awe and wonder as they watch these beautiful creatures visit your backyard garden. Now next to your vegetable garden or around the perimeter of your vegetable garden, Plant flowers that attract bees and repel pests. Snapdragons, black-eyed Susans, lupines, and most herbs like fennel, mint, sage, and lavender, they attract bees. And marigolds, geraniums, and asters are great natural pesticides. Now, almost every year, we planted a wall of sunflowers. My daughter loved watching the sunflowers grow, especially the super tall ones. Then, when they were finished growing and they finished blooming, we would harvest some of the seeds to roast, and then we would use the flower head as a natural bird feeder. You really can't go wrong with sunflowers. If my brown thumb can grow sunflowers, anyone can. Now, if you have room for a vegetable garden in your yard, plant some of these easy veggies in the spring so you have a whole summer harvest. Start with some zucchini some summer squash, cucumbers, and then we made homemade pickles with them because we always got a good crop out of them. Plant some lettuce, bell peppers of all kinds, some Swiss chard or greens like spinach and lettuce. This way you always have fresh salad in the summer months. Green onions, celery, and regular onions are great to have in the garden too. And with the cost of produce these days, I love being able to pick straight from the garden those three things. 
Broccoli, cauliflower, and Brussels sprouts take a little while, but they're worth the wait. And I love planting artichokes, but I hate harvesting them. They produce the most beautiful purple flowers that I hate cutting them down in order to eat the actual artichoke. Now, beets, sweet potatoes, and carrots are delicious straight from the garden, but don't expect an abundant crop. These plants really take some patience. Now, if you want a juicy watermelon in the summer, plant the seeds in the spring. They need at least 100 days of warm weather. Only plant a few seeds at a time and plant them about three to five feet apart. They need a lot of space to grow and will take over the area that you put them in, so plan well. And if you want a nice fat pumpkin by October or Thanksgiving, Plant it in the late spring and early summer. If you wait till the fall, it'll be too late. For best results, soak the seeds in water for an hour or two before planting in the soil. Now, like watermelons, the vine will take over wherever you plant it. So plan where you put it and be prepared to guide the vine as it grows. It needs lots of water, so don't forget about it. Now, strawberries are tricky but doable. Research to see if they will grow in your area. I gave up on our strawberries, but every so often an old strawberry plant will pop up in our yard and surprise us with a few berries to feast on. I think they're best grown in a pot made for strawberries. Now, we had fun one year when we planted the Native American Three Sisters Garden. We don't have a large yard, so we could only plant one mound. Now, if you have space, it works best if you plant several mounds that are three to four feet apart. Now, the Native Americans planted corn, string beans, and squash together. These plants have a symbiotic relationship, so they grow best when they're planted together. In the late spring, after we broke up the soil, we built a mound of dirt about 12 inches high and about 18 inches round. Before we planted the seeds, though, we first placed a fish carcass in the bottom of the mound. I know, it sounds gross, but it works. Many tribes did this to help add nutrients to the soil, and it emphasizes that nothing goes to waste. Then we planted the corn first. We soaked it for a few hours before we planted it in the soil. After a week or two, when the corn stalk was at least a half a foot high, we planted six pole bean seeds around the corn stalk in a circle. Also, plant four pumpkin or squash seeds about six inches away from those bean seeds. As the beans grow, they'll grow on the corn stalk. And if not, help it out by moving the tendrils to the stalks. And as the pumpkin vine grows, move it along the perimeter of your garden. This is really a super fun gardening project. We had fun trying different recipes with our fresh veggies from the garden. My son loved measuring the zucchini to see just how large that they would grow. Let your kids help you plan the garden. Make sure you don't crowd the seeds, though. This will keep them from giving you an abundant crop. Go to Home Depot together or the nursery together to pick out veggies, flowers, and herbs to grow. Have your kids make little plant labels to place in front of each seedling or veggie in the garden. If you're blessed to have fruit trees in your yard, get your kids involved with harvesting them and selling or giving them away. Now, my husband's favorite thing to do each fall is to cure olives from my father-in-law's olive tree. It's quite a process, and it takes a long time, but it's so worth it. 
There's nothing like a fresh homemade batch of black and green olives stuffed with garlic or almonds. Got some fruit trees? Then observe them every season. Draw them in your nature journals. Record which animals visit each fruit tree and when. Label the tree and its fruit. Notice which fruit trees begin to bloom and and when the fruit is ready to be picked. Don't forget to start a small compost in your backyard too. Order some big fat juicy worms and when they arrive, dump them out and let your kids watch them wriggle around. Then add the worms to the compost pile. They will help speed up the process. And if you don't have room in your yard for a compost pile, then make an indoor miniature bucket compost pile instead. If you or your hubby like to do do do-it-yourself projects, you can actually make your own out of a five-gallon bucket. But if you're not too handy, you can get some small, inexpensive ones at Home Depot. So this spring, get outdoors. Soak up some vitamin D. Reignite a love of science in your kids. Maybe even put away your formal science lessons for the rest of the year and do some gardening and nature studies instead. This spring, sow the seeds of wonder and watch some magic happen by spending time in your family's own secret little garden. Thank you for hanging out with me and for joining me for this little coffee break. If this is your first time joining me, make sure you check out my book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. If you're new to homeschooling or you're looking for ways to simplify and streamline your homeschooling this spring, this is a perfect book to read. You can purchase it on Amazon or at my website, coffeewithcarry.org. If you heard something you liked or something new, then share a podcast with a friend who might need a little encouragement this week or with a mom friend looking for ways to sow some seeds of wonder in her kids. If you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe to Coffee with Carrie Homeschool Podcast and then take a few minutes to leave a little review. This is really the best way to help other moms find our podcast and to be encouraged too. Thank you in advance for listening to us each week and for sharing our podcast, book, and homeschool mom ministry with your friends. We're so very honored and grateful. It's our prayer that our website, our homeschooling consulting services, my podcast, and my book will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. We're praying for you. Stay healthy. God bless. And see you next time.